0: Hey everybody, it's Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, and you are listening to the Pure Capital podcast. I'm Norman Simon and I'm here with my co-host, James Carnes. Today on the episode, we will be giving you guys just a a rundown about what this podcast is, um, what we'll be talking about, uh, really who the heck we are and, and why we're doing this thing. And then it's the first week of the month, so we will talk some real estate. So with that, let's uh let's bring James in here. James, how are you, how are you doing,
1: doing today, man? Good, good, Norm. Good. I'm glad to
0: have you here today.
1: Yeah, it's great to be on here. I'm excited to kick things off and uh you know, I'm excited to be on call in and, and uh, kind of be one of the earlier shows on here and hopefully be able to add some you know tangible uh investment value to uh to people's lives as they you know make some decisions on their own kind of investment portfolio.
0: Yeah, for sure. So for every, for anybody who is listening on um, any other type of uh, podcast uh, platform, so if you're on Apple Podcast or Spotify or anything like that, um, we are doing this. We're broadcasting live on uh, call-in. So we're going to do this on Saturday mornings. We're going to go live on call-in. Um, so if you want to be part of the show or if you are interested in asking us questions or doing anything like that, then you can, can uh, hop on over to call-in. Um, on Saturday mornings to do that, but we will be posting all of the rest of the show on, on pretty much anywhere where you can go to find, uh, podcast episodes. So make sure that you, uh, subscribe either on call in or on all the other, um, podcast sites, uh, so go ahead and subscribe to the show, leave us a comment, let us know, you know, what you guys think of the show and, uh, and how you think we're doing both good comments and bad comments. We love them all. Uh, you don't don't have to don't have to delineate there if you guys don't like what we 're saying, tell us we want to hear it If you guys do like what we 're saying, tell us we want to hear that too and we 'll have some fun with this thing as we go along the way so um with that i 'm going to jump right into kind of how we got how we came up with this idea and, and why we 're doing this podcast pure capital why we 're really here um, and for me, you know this conversation really started. Uh, with James a few months back now, um, we were talking about capital allocation, and James basically said to me, and he was being like, he was being very authentic when he said this. He's like, Norm, I just want to be known as a great capital allocator, and uh, when when you said that to me, James, that just it struck me in just the right way at that point. I was like, man, you know that's like, so do I, that's what I want to be too. Um, you know, that's, that's such a, such a cool thing to think about to just be great at allocating capital and, um, being very studious about your, about your capital that you have, uh, and how you put that out into the world. Um, so part of the reason that that struck me in the right way was because, you know, I, I run around and I get real, I get real preachy periodically. Um, with my friends and some of my business associates and stuff uh, about this idea of diversification and what diversification actually means you know i think that the word diver- i hate the word diversification because i think that it's been so bastardized uh, throughout the years by um, the financial industry just in general you know people think that Diversification means that you put your money in a S&P 500 index fund and then you're diversified, right? But the reality is you're not, you know, you're really not diversified in that situation. And that's not what the, what it actually, actually means. You really are focused in one asset class and that asset class is the paper, the paper asset class is the stock asset class. So, you know, when that goes down, you go down. Um, when that goes up, you go up, but to think that you are, have diversification, uh, I think is, is, uh, is just a lie, a flat out lie. So in my opinion, and, and, you know, this is just an opinion, but I think James holds the same opinion. Um, if you're going to do, if you're going to be in a position where you have a portfolio of wealth building assets, uh, then you really need to understand asset class diversification so diversification amongst asset classes diversification amongst amongst strategies within those asset classes and even potentially diversification amongst amongst managers you know I know a lot of like large family offices and stuff like that they focus on diversifying across strategies across managers um, which I think is really is really interesting and I think it's hard for us to sit back and and say that we are you know, truly diversified if we don't understand all the different asset classes that are out there, and we don't understand all the different strategies that are out there in the world. So that's going to be our purpose when it comes to this podcast. Our goal is to bring you all education and information uh, on all the different asset classes that are on there, And all the different strategies that go along with those asset classes, you know, we want to try to bring you guys real world information, uh, real world examples of these different strategies and different asset classes, uh, so that you can can start to try to figure out, you know, what, what fits you best. Um, It's not certain things are not for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm good at certain things. James is good at certain things. And um, we like to, uh, we like to know, have a broad based knowledge of everything so that we know what's out there and we know what we can start to try to dabble in a little bit. Um, but each individual is going to have their own kind of different, unique thing that they're trying to, uh, trying to work on and trying to go forward with and, and push forward with. And I think that's fine. You know, our, our goal is to just bring you the stories and bring you both the good and the bad. Um, from history, either from ourselves, from stories that James and I have that we've experienced in the past or uh, from different people that we bring on here here to interview. You know, uh, one of my favorite, and I I told you this in the past, but one of my favorite types of books to read are books that are on like origin stories of of business people. You know, I, I think that a lot of people get caught up in, you know, how much, wealth someone has, or, you know, how, how many, how many, uh, cars and how many, uh, houses does Elon Musk have? Uh, but the truth is, you know, I don't give a shit about that. I could care less about that stuff, but what I really care about is I care about what did he have to do to get to where he is? What is the shit that he had to overcome? What are the trials and tribulations that he had to go through to get to where he is today? Because I think that's where the value is. that's where you can pull good, solid, tangible information out of that you can utilize in your own life to put action forward so that you can start to learn how to do some of those things and 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 what it really takes to start to grow and build and build wealth um, and, and you know, I think that if we had a good source in the past of little stories like that. That we could take and listen to and learn from, you know, I, I would say that we'd be a lot further along today than what we, than what both James and myself are. Um, so, you know, it's, it's important to us to try to kind of fill that gap and give people what they need to bridge that, or just give them the information, give them the education so that they can understand how to utilize um, those things and, and find out what fits them best. So the way that we're going to go about, um, Doing this is we're going to go live here on call in, like I said before, on Saturdays, uh, and we're going to bring you a few different asset classes. So James and I are pretty strong in three different three different asset classes. Um, real estate is one of those broader markets, and and uh, macro um, is another one. So everything that goes along with you know markets from uh, commodity futures trading to crypto markets. Uh, and then business you know specifically tech startups is kind of james 's expertise and and um that 's one of the things that we 're going to cover as well so the first week of each month, we are going to talk about real estate, and that 's why we 're going to talk about real estate a little bit today a little bit later on um, but first week of each month we 're going to talk about real estate we 're going to talk about all the different strategies that are within real estate, so you know it 's a very broad based uh asset class. That you, can do, that you can invest in lots of different places in. You know, you can do things from uh, purchasing mortgage notes, uh, wholesaling, flipping houses, buy and hold rentals, short-term rentals. Like there's just, you know, all the way up to giant syndications, right? So there's just so much to cover when it comes to that specific asset class. The second week of the month, we are going to hit on all of, um, basically everything capital markets, uh, so, we will touch on uh, like I said before, futures markets, commodity futures markets, stock markets, options markets, crypto markets, um, and also talk about broad based macro economics, you know what are interest rates doing what are what is the economy as a whole um, doing, and where where are we kind of headed? Week three, um, we are going to talk about business and startups, uh, so James is going to bring us a lot of different um, tech startups, he'll talk through some of the stuff that he's doing, uh, but also bring in different people to interview to just talk about that industry and talk about the business industry in general so that we can can kind of broaden our base when it comes to that as well. Uh, And then finally, the fourth week of the month, we're just going to do an open forum uh, conversation. So James and I will talk about what we're working on. Um, all the different things that we've got going on in the business world. Um, And we will open it up to uh, anybody who's on call in and anybody who wants to just have some conversations with us, you know, ask questions and and go through some different things like that. And then at the end of each episode, uh, we will open it up for for callers to, you know, ask questions or discuss really anything that they want to, to discuss. So that is, that is uh, kind of the future of, of this podcast and what we're going to be trying to bring people. Um, James, with that, man, you got anything else to, to add to what, what I you? just went through there?
1: No, I, I love that, Norm. I think that's a great um, just kind of encapsulation of the vision of the show, kind of what we want to bring the listeners and the value we want to add to them. Um, if you guys are listening in on anything outside of Colin, you'll hear us kind of reset the room sometimes on here. So that just means new listeners or other folks have come in. So we had, you know, a listener come in on Colin. Uh, and we'll just kind of reset the room and, and tell them, you know, hey, we're covering an intro right now, talking about our vision for the podcast can you know, introduce ourselves, our backgrounds, and then talk a little real estate uh, about duplexes. That way, everyone in the room is always in sync, kind of on just where we're at. People join in in the middle. They can get it um, you know, just quick, understand where we're at and then also have it to listen to after. Um, before we transition to introductions, I would like to comment on one thing that, that Norm said. I, I think that, you know, his point with almost this false narrative that he mentioned earlier of how a lot of people, and, and, and I, for the longest time thought it too, you know, especially growing up and going through college was when I heard the word diversification, I was just thought like, Oh, I should be investing in Apple stock and I should be investing in um, you know, any other, other, the, the fangs or anything big out there, buy some Google or Amazon or whatever. uh, And that's diversification. But then when I really started to meet people like Norman life and, and branch out in my professional network, I realized that that, as Norm said, is just diversification in one single asset class. And then you have all these other asset classes that exist that you can begin to leverage to actually have true diversification and and reduce your risk so that if the stock market does go down, then you have a a cash flowing asset somewhere else that's still stable. Um, And I think that's kind of one thing I wanted to throw back at you, Norm, was a lot of people have maybe heard the term asset class. I know you introduced and kind of talked about how we're going to cover a couple different ones between. You know, real estate, you know, equity and startups, slash tech, and and some of the you know investing markets. But could you maybe just before we do introductions, give a quick kind of just comment around why it's important to have these different asset classes and how the diversion, the diversification, can affect the risk, or or you know, give an example of kind of talk through maybe you know, real estate versus stock market kind of scenario with with exposure to risk and and that kind of example.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. I can definitely do that. So um, let me first say that I think that uh, when you're talking about assets just in general, to me, like the definition of asset is something that uh, cash flows. Um, so it it's puts money in your pocket is my opinion on that. Um, I'm not so much tied up in the idea of appreciation while that's good, but um, you know, it's, it's a cash flowing business. So that's my thought process on that first off. But then secondly, you know, the way that I kind of break this down and the way that I kind of think about it is you want cash flowing assets that are continuously um, putting money in your pocket, something like a like a real estate where you're cash flow positive. So um, it is generating capital from rents. Uh, Those rents are paying down a mortgage. Um, And then there's money left over at the end of the day that actually flows directly into uh, to the business or into your pocket. And then there's more speculative things uh, things like you know futures futures contracts and and the stock market and different things like that just in in general that um, are for trying to create larger outsized gains uh, rather than that consistent income so when you look at all these different asset classes and i've got opinions on on each of them but You know, hard hard coin precious metals are for savings rather than saving your money in uh, in cash. Um, Things like real estate and businesses are for cash flow, uh, so that consistent income coming in. And then things like crypto markets, uh, things like that are really for speculation for higher appreciation. Uh, type types of of things so that's that's my uh kind of opinion on that and and I think each of them have their place if we if we study it enough um, each of those things have their place and even within each asset class like you can you can hedge off and diversify your risk associated with them by utilizing different strategies so like in real estate. I'm not going to just flip houses, right? I'm going to flip houses for large, um, for kind of peeling off large pieces of cash, uh, and, and more for speculation than anything. When you get right down to it, but I'm going to have long-term cash-flowing rentals for that consistent income that's coming in. So as you go through ebbs and flows of markets, you know you might get uh, you might get hammered in one market. Um, or, in, or in one part of the cycle, you know, flipping houses might not be doing well as you're going through an interest rate in sp- expansion uh, where there's not as many buyers in the market, um, but a rental is going to do extremely well in that situation because there's going to be more and more people who can't afford to take that mortgage on and can't afford to make that house purchase, but they can't afford to rent. You know, so you're covering both sides of it. And that's a very, very simplistic example, right? But you can start to do that throughout all kinds of different asset classes. And that's part of the reason why I want to get into to what those asset classes are.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think, I think it's super important, um, you know, to realize that for, for people listening out there to realize that diversification can be within an asset class and across an asset class, um, so as Norm said, you, know, you can have different views and, and, and plans and strategies for just how you invest in real estate, right? And then you can also have different views and strategies for just how you invest in stocks. And then with those combined together, you can have different views. And as, as Norm mentioned, you can maybe look at real estate as a more consistent, um, you know, lower risk cash flowing uh, asset class that you work with, whereas maybe on your stock side or, or crypto, you're you're going for that bigger play, that long-term appreciation value, or, or hoping that you know Bitcoin goes to a million, like we all hope it does. Um, but I think that's just a great summary and point. Um, <laughs> and so I'll, I'll kick it back to Norm, and uh, you know I think we're gonna do a little intro for you guys, talk about uh, just kind of ourselves and um, our background, our passion, what 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 causes us to get up and try to kick ass every day, uh, and and just excited to kind of share our background with you guys.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, I will. I'll get us started, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna be quick here. I'm gonna give James the majority of the time to talk here, since I've been. I've been speaking at you guys already here for 20 minutes, but um, my name's Norman Simon. So, my I'm originally from from Northwest Ohio, and have just been kind of working my way uh, south ever since that point. Went to West Virginia University a while back now, um, and. Got a degree in engineering, uh, and have been just slowly working my way further south uh, since that point. I've uh, since kind of settled in and, in North Carolina, um, and have have spent uh, most of my life most of my life as an, an engineer. Um, but along the way, I have uh, run multiple businesses and really spent a lot of time in a few different. Different asset classes, so the first thing that I spend most of my time um, in is uh, trading futures contracts. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the capital markets. I've got a pretty good broad understanding of different capital markets that are out there uh, as well as the macro side of things. Um, spend a lot of time you know studying and learning and, and uh, utilizing different macro strategies to try to uh, you know build wealth essentially. But my specific niche, um, the thing that I I spend the most time in is um, specifically trading the NASDAQ futures contract um, and crude oil contracts. So crude oil and the NASDAQ are my two kind of things. Um, I also spend uh, some of that time um, inside uh, just options, utilizing different option strategies, uh, specifically on the the NASDAQ. So um, I trade a lot of NDX. Um, when I'm, when I'm specifically operating in the options market, uh, and then the second thing where I've got a few different businesses and spend a good portion of my, of my time is, is in the real estate market. The real estate market is probably, uh, probably the most prevalent thing for me. Um, I've existed in multiple, uh, different, uh, different strategies within that. So I have a business that, uh, flips houses, In the North Carolina area, um, I've got another business that does uh, long-term buy and hold uh, strategies, um, primarily around small duplexes, Uh, nothing nothing too crazy there, but we we like uh, small to mid-size apartments. Um, And then really my main niche uh, and where I spend the majority of my time is in the short-term rental market so you know short term and vacation rental market so if people ask me kind of what I do I would tell them that I'm a I'm a uh, I run a business in the short-term rental market so we've got vacation rentals throughout the state of North Carolina uh, both on a local level as well as on um, a little bit broader level so some some uh, beach vacation rentals um, and we continue to expand that business. That business business out so really that's that's my background and and uh, then I've also you know recently teamed up with James to do a little raise uh, do a little syndication um, to kind of expand that business out a little bit more so from the the rental real estate uh, the short term rental real estate and vacation rental real estate side of things so that that's my background that's kind of who I am and and uh, with that i'll turn it over to James to let him tell you about him.
1: Yeah, I I love that uh introduction, Norm. I think for anyone listening, you know, Norm and I are are both very much a yin and yang, you know, type mindset um and characteristics. You know, as Norm said, he's very been focused in his career on a lot of the capital markets and uh, you know, real estate. Um, you know, I've dabbled in those things, bought a property or two, have invested in stocks, have a Roth IRA, do all that good stuff, right? But I haven't spent, you know, the in-the-trenches in, trench, in, in the trenches time that Norm's uh, spent in it, right? Whereas for me personally, I've spent a lot more time in the trenches on, uh, you know, things like crypto, more, a lot more kind of tech-focused stuff, um, specifically, you know, starting a startup uh, while in college uh, that, you know, I've been working on for three years. So it's just interesting before I dive into kind of my background, like Norm and I definitely you know it's cool and this is why we wanted to bring this to you guys because we just we love talking like this anyways and getting each other's thoughts, opinions and trying to just add value to each other. And so that's why we're like, you know what, let's just put the put a podcast together and see where it goes. So uh you know I'm excited to kind of bring those different perspectives to you guys as as we go through each week and in, in each episode. But me personally, you know, I'm from uh you know the northern part of West Virginia you know, small town, about 30 minutes outside of Pittsburgh. Also went to West Virginia University, uh, you know, got my engineering degree there, had the, you know, typical dream corporate job lined up uh, coming out of college. And then, you know, basically said, screw that. And uh, turned down that offer and went in, you know, full-time on a startup that me and my still co-founder now, Kyle, uh, both started while we were in college. Um, So you'll see a lot of the opinions and things that I have uh, come from a very um, just kind of contradictory or maybe not the typical path mindset. And I hope that that brings some value uh, to people out there because I definitely haven't had the typical, you know, go get a job at Deloitte, Accenture, name whatever company, work for two years, level up, work for another two years. I haven't gone that path And, and I'm not harping on that path. There's nothing wrong with that path. I think it's great. A lot of people make a lot of money, you know, over the years by, by working at those companies. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I just knew deep down that I wanted to build something that, that I truly had a piece in and had a part of, uh, you know, and that kind of ties in like that equity exposure of, of what, it, what it even means to do a startup and, and, and try to build something like that. And, and I just love building stuff. You'll see, you know, I'm, I got more of a maker tech background. I love, I love to code. Um, I love to just be a maker. I love to build products. It's my passion. Um, So, you know, for our startup, Iconic Air, which is a a SaaS company that's focused on helping, you know, oil and gas companies reduce emissions uh, as they're trying to hit their targets over the next, uh, you know, one, two, three, four decades. We have a a software um, platform, SaaS, just software as a service platform that they can use to aggregate view and and leverage all their emissions data to make, you know, better environmental decisions. Um, And and that's kind of what we'll work on now. So if you hear me talk about Iconic Air. Uh, you know, that's our startup. Uh, I'm currently splitting time between Austin, Texas and Morgantown, West Virginia. So, you know, if you're ever listening and, and you're ever in either of those areas, uh, you know, feel free to, to hit me up, all is down to, to meet other, other people working on, on cool shit. So that's kind of a, a high level background of myself and, you know, I'll kick it back to norm. Yeah. Yeah. that That's good. I, I love that. And uh, I appreciate you giving that
0: Intro and kind and you know one of the things that I like that you just said there is just the fact that you and I are kind of yin and yang. I mean, which which is why I think this, which is I think is what's going to make this podcast great, is because we got two different perspectives on perspectives on things. I've got my expertise, you've got your expertise, um, and we meet somewhere in the middle and and can have some good discussion on it uh, when it comes to that. One of the things that James didn't mention that I'm going to mention because. You know, I know he's trying to be modester or, or whatever, but uh, he did make Forbes 30 under 30 last year, so I am going to throw that out there uh, for everybody because I think that that is an important thing, and he should be happy about that, proud about that.
1: So, <laughs> appreciate that, Norm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you're welcome. Um. So anyway, so that's just a little bit about us and and who we are. So, with that out of the way, though. Um, we're going to transition into some real estate stuff. So, you know, it's the first week of the month, and like I said, the first week week of the month is uh, real estate week. So, I put together um, just a little uh, story, a little kind of background on a project that I did a couple of years back, a real estate project, and and I'm just going to kind of walk you guys through that uh, today, so that you have a little bit of strategy behind you. Um, before I do that, I do want to say this: you know, this podcast is simply for informational and educational purposes you know we are not making any recommendations on how you invest your money or uh, what you invest that money in into it is purely an education based company um so please uh, utilize this for entertainment purposes and education purposes only uh, as you listen through this so with that that out of the way um i am going to uh, give you guys a rundown on uh value add that I did on a small uh, duplex in a small town in North Carolina um, a couple years back. And this project is actually, believe it or not, it's still in the works um, as it continues to, to kind of evolve over time. Uh, but I think that this is something that is very, it's, it's such a simple it's low dollar value, uh, simple strategy and very tangible for literally anybody to be able to to pick up and do, you know, re- kind of regardless of what your your income level is. And that's why I wanted to start the real estate side of things out um, with this one. So, you know, I, I think when people hear the word value add, they think, oh, it's a, you know, big syndication on a hundred unit apartment complex. Like that's what comes to people's minds. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't, it absolutely doesn't have to be. I think the other thing that people might think of is like, oh, you're flipping a house, right? And uh, that isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be those two things um, to make up a to to generate a value add on a on a property, right? So the one that I'm going to go through today was just a simple uh, duplex um, that I bought in this small town of of North Carolina, and the way that I found this property. Was uh, I? I reached out. I started trying to look. I want knew I wanted to invest in the area, so I started trying to uh, talk to people and have conversations and find who who some of the big players were in the area. Um, I found that one individual. I uh, took them out to lunch and and was just having a conversation with them, telling them what I was looking for and what I was trying to buy. And he looks at me and says, "Hey, well, you know, that's good. Actually, my business partner has this small duplex for sale." Right down the road, do you want that and i said, well you know uh tell tell me more about it what what's what's the story on it So he told me um it was this duplex that he bought off the bank a while back, and it was uh it was a over under duplex, so it had an upstairs unit um that was a one bed one bath, and it had a lower unit that was a two bed two bath. Um they were both rented uh both all, tenants were paying on time every time um the lower unit was renting for and these numbers are gonna gonna blow some people's minds because they're so low <laughs> but that's this market, but the lower unit was renting for four hundred dollars, and the upper unit was renting for three hundred and fifty dollars so um and he wants, he's getting ready to list it with the realtor for 75,000 bucks. So he, he tells me this and I was like, uh, yeah, I want it. I told him immediately. I was like, yes, I want it. So I ended up going and meeting with, with the guy in the parking lot an hour later, signing a contract with him to purchase this property. So I hadn't went and looked at this property, hadn't been through it, hadn't done anything like that, you know, all that stuff. Can come later on. So you're probably asking, why the heck would I make that decision um, that quickly and decide to take a jump at that? Well, there's there's two main reasons. Reason number one was I wanted to do business with these guys who were in this area, who were known to me to be the biggest players in the area. So a chance to do business with them, I immediately am going to take uh, if if everything else kind of checks its boxes. The second thing was just the numbers that he told me. So he told me $400 for the lower unit, $350 for the upper unit. Now I know just based on doing a little bit of research on the area that a 2 bed 2 bath lower unit in this particular area could rent for $700 a month and a 1 bed 1 bath in this particular area could rent for 525. So I knew that just from um you know, doing a little bit of prehistory in there. And he told me uh, those numbers. So I immediately knew that the property was a little bit, was under market value rent. Um, Now I assumed that there was going to have to be some work done on the property because to get it up to market value rent, but that was something that, that was a bridge that we could cross later on. Right. Um, The other thing that struck me the right way immediately was He wanted $75,000 for the property, and it was doing uh, $750 worth of rents, which meant that if I went and got a small mortgage from a small local bank on that thing, then I was going to be cash flow positive right out of the gate. So I was going to make money on it immediately when I bought. Money was going to go directly into my pocket, right out of the gate from purchasing that. So to me, you know, that's a win-win all the way around. There's a chance to increase the value of the property. Plus, even if I don't do anything with it, I make money right away. Plus again, very low dollar value. So it wasn't like it was a ton of of risk uh, when it comes to that anyway. The other thing that you might ask is, you know, 75,000 bucks, why are you even going and getting a mortgage on it? Um, and the reason is I like leverage. Uh, so anytime I can lever up my capital um, and still be cash flow positive, I'm going to do that because I can utilize my capital more effectively in different markets or over uh, different properties. So I'm almost always going to go and get some sort of mortgage on that, on that property, regardless of whether I can buy it in cash or I can't. So the way that this went, I went ahead and closed on that property and I I moved forward with it. Um, And my strategy was simple. I was going to just allow the people to to live there that were living there already, pay me the rent that they were paying me already. Uh, And as they moved out, I was going to make some improvements. So the first thing that happened was the person upstairs moved out. Um, They left. We went in and did very minimal work to, the The unit, so it was a one bed one bath. We went in there, we painted it, we redid the bathroom, uh put a new shower in, uh, changed a couple of things out in the bathroom. We actually left the toilet, left the vanity, really just did the shower, painted it, added a little shelving in there uh and then the second thing we did was we noticed that the bathroom or the bedroom was a little bit oversized, and we had this realization that we could actually turn it into two bedrooms, so we put a wall right down the center of it. Uh, we removed a closet and turned that closet into a doorway. And then we had two doorways into two separate, two separate bedrooms. So now we had a two bed, one bath uh, that looked pretty nice on the inside. So we put that thing out to rent um, for $550 uh, and it was rented immediately um, at 550, which I I felt pretty good about. We probably could have went up a little bit higher than that in hindsight. Um, In fact, I know we could have went higher than that in hindsight, but we felt good about five fifty, so we increased our rents on that one from three fifty to five fifty. So we went up two hundred bucks, uh, and we did that with right around twenty five hundred bucks worth of capital outlay. Like, did not cost a lot to to uh, do that work that we had done in that that particular property. The downstairs unit, um, the person who was living down there went to move out and we were gonna do the same thing. We're gonna rehab it and rent it for, uh, we're gonna try to get 700 for the lower unit. Um, But when they went to move out, they actually had a cousin who needed a place to stay immediately, who wanted to move in immediately and didn't want us to do anything to it. So we uh, did a little bit of due diligence on that person, did some background checks and stuff like that, like you usually do made sure everything was good there. And we said, hey, you know what? We'll go ahead and rent it to you as is. Um, the place needs some needs some work, but you don't want us to do it. That's fine, we'll rent it to you at 550. So they moved in immediately, rented at 550. Uh, so we were able to take that unit from 400 to 550 with no capital uh, put into that property whatsoever or that lower unit whatsoever. Now, since that time, this was about two years ago now, since that time, that property has been renting Um, at those rates. We've increased the rates just a a little bit with annual increases over over the years, over the year, Um, but we are now generating $1,100 worth of income off that property. Our cost basis on it is still 70, well, it's 77,500. Uh, and the property itself at this point, it's worth right around 120, uh, $125,000. So like I said before, this one is is still kind of in process because we still can do a little bit more value add to it when the tenants downstairs um, move out again. Uh, you know, we'll fix that up. We'll put new, um, put new finishes to it rent it for a little bit higher, probably in the 750 to 800 range at this point, because the market's changed a little bit in this area. Uh, And then at that point, uh, probably what we'll do is we'll refinance it, pull all of our money out of it uh, that we have in that thing. And then we have this cash flowing asset that we have zero money in uh, from our standpoint, right? We'll be at a spot where we effectively have um, an infinite return on that property because we have none of our initial capital into that property by uh, taking that mortgage back out on it. So anyway, that is the, uh, that's, that's the story. And that's uh, just a, a simple example of being able to take a small property and do a little bit of value add, work on it, um, and increase the value of that property and increase the rents of that property.
1: I love that, love that norm. Um, I think there's a lot of tangible advice that just came out of that, but the, really the main thing that I want to try to hi- highlight on it is how much and maybe you subconsciously, you probably subconsciously were just naturally doing it just because of, of the way that you were going into the deal and thinking through it. But I think a lot of times people think of real estate when they first go to, to make, you know, a real estate decision. It's typically for most people, their first home that they're buying. And that alone, I think is a very scary process for folks. Um, you know, Norm and I talk about real estate and, and purchasing properties and doing all these things uh, because we've done a decent amount of it. Right. And so for us, it's, it's natural. We understand how the process works. We've been through it multiple times. But I, for a lot of people listening in, you know, maybe they're, you're, you're sitting there thinking like, hey, I, I love that you talked about a duplex. I love that you, you know walked us through how you started at seven hundred fifty dollars in rent and then made some you know renovations. And then now you're, you're you've increased the cash flow. And then you've had you know roughly fifty thousand dollars of appreciation in a year and a half or two years. I think anyone would want that deal, and anyone would want to take that 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 risk and chance to get into it. But a lot of folks, I think, outside of you know after purchasing their first property that they physically live in for their their residence, I think a lot of people are scary and that and they kind of get just scared of the process of like, well, you know, it's kind of risky. And and as Norm and I have talked about a lot of these asset classes, you know. Real estate is probably one of the you know harder ones to get into compared to the others, right You can go on you know Coinbase and buy crypto. You can make a stock account on t d Ameritrade and go buy a stock with fifty bucks um, you know you can go on republic and invest in a startup for fifty bucks so there's a lot of lower friction ways to get into different asset classes, whereas you know with real estate you could still do a real estate deal or something like that on Republic and put a little money in, but if you really want to own your own property, it takes a little bit more capital. It takes a little bit more knowledge. There's kind of a little bit more of a barrier. And so hopefully as Norm's walked through that process, it just kind of, they went, I think it's important to highlight and see that he essentially was de-risking it the whole way that he was going. You know, he, he was able to do things like vet the people who previously owned it. He was able to talk with them and understand, you know, who are the current tenants in there? what are the rents that they're paying and and what are the, the rents that I could charge, right? If I go in and do renovations and um, you know, it, it can it can increase the the price for those rooms over time. So I think that's just something to keep in mind is that as as you start to dabble or maybe you're you're just combating and trying to think if you want to make that jump and do an investment property, do your best to go into the situation and, and take the time and diligence to 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 de-risk it and, and build those relationships that you know Norm talked about how he just wanted to do business with those folks it's super important as, as you look at deals. The other question that I wanted to throw back at you, Norm, um, as we're kind of wrapping some of the real estate talk is you had the example of a duplex, you know, it was a top bottom and you broke down kind of the, the rents and, and the way that you guys split up the rooms and stuff. Could you kind of just talk to, you know, the, the, the pros and cons are just kind of the contrast between uh, for someone, maybe you think about trying to get their first investment property outside of their physical residence that they live in, like the difference between looking at a, you know, duplex with that's maybe, you know, 300,000 that maybe a little more beat up or could use a little work versus looking at a, a single family home that's going for 300,000, uh, but maybe is a little bit nicer, um, you know, but only could attract kind of specific types of residents. Could you just kind of give some pros, cons, contrast, you know, the difference between the duplex and single family home? Yeah, for sure. So um,
0: there's, there's going to be there's pros and cons to both obviously and I'm not going to go through like the extensive list but I'll hit on a couple here. So like if I'm going to spend $300,000 on a single family home that's been completely renovated that is is nice on the inside um pro number 1 is that more than likely uh my maintenance cost on that thing is going to be low over over you know the first say 10 years of that property's life. Um, so as I have tenants in there, you know, assuming that they don't go in there and just and trash everything, which, uh, in my experience, the majority of the time they don't. Um, but my, my maintenance cost into it is not going to be very, very substantial. Typically. Uh, the other thing is I'm going to more than likely get market rent immediately, if not a little bit more than market rent, which is, is great. So from like a, from a baseline, um, you know, I don't want to put out a lot of effort, but I want to own a, a rental property that makes it so much easier um, if you go that route. And that goes both for, you know, a single family home or a duplex that's been completely renovated, right? Uh, it's just easier management overall um, if, it's, if it's fixed up. Now, the con to that is that your appreciation is going to be completely market-based So you're not going to be able to really force any appreciation on the property. Um, And when I say forced appreciation, I just mean, you know, put a little, put a little sweat equity into it, pay somebody to go in there and fix a few things up and then increase the value of that property. Um, And you're also, uh, you're also not going to be able to really raise those rents much more than just market rent raises over time. So in the city, In terms of the, you know, to flip over to the duplex, that is a little bit of a value add, um, $300,000, but needs work, right? Well, first thing you got to do is anytime you're doing any of this, you got to make sure the numbers are right, right? And cash flow is what we're after here, um, primarily. So if you have the $300,000 single family home, as long as it cash flows, I feel good about it. Uh, if I'm doing the the duplex that needs a little work, as long as the cash flows, I feel good about it. But again, the the difference goes down to um, if I can force some value in it, or if I if I can't. So, the duplex that's three hundred thousand that needs work, um, that has rents on it, you know, I might need to. I may be able to increase those rents and I may be able to increase the value of the property by putting a little bit of of work into it and to me that's the better deal because you can you can make things happen without having to have a market uh push you into that situation so that three hundred thousand dollar property property that needs work might actually be worth its true value once you're done with that work could be four fifty. Right. Whereas the single family home that's fully renovated at three, 300,000, it might take 10 years for you to get to that same sort of valuation. Does that make sense? Does that, that answer, answer your question,
1: question too? Yeah, no, I, I think that that makes a, t- a ton of sense. And, um, you know, just to highlight for, for the folks listening is, um, it's a lot easier to go in and raise rents and, and cause the mm-hmm. the value of the, of the house to be higher on a duplex than it is, you know, a single-family home, uh, and a lot of that reason is just as Norm said, because of the way that uh, the banks or people you're working with kind of value uh, and look at the tenants that are in it. So I think I think that was a great summary on kind of the the difference. And um, you know, to anyone out there making their first in, in real estate investment decision, definitely take the time to look into those different things. Uh, you know, a duplex versus a single-family home, the different options of buying something is as Norm said that is maybe a little more rent-ready and doesn't need renovations the trade-offs, all those things, you know, take the time, do the diligence, uh, as you go through your first, first real estate, uh, investment decision. Cause that's very important. Anytime you're looking to get in your first property.
0: All right. Good, good stuff. James, you got any, any other questions or should we, uh, open this up and see if anybody, anybody else has any questions?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't have any questions. I think that that was a great segment on, the duplex, um, the value add and kind of just, you know, I know, I remember when I first got into, into real estate, uh, you know, so, sometimes when you're an outsider coming in, like it sounds silly, but you know, it's, it's the same way that someone might ask, what's an asset class. It's like, you know, that's why I want to break down the, you know, single family versus duplex. Cause it's like, sometimes people just don't know the lingo. And I think, like breaking that down so that folks, um, the newer folks coming in, you know, maybe maybe are buying the first thing or just now starting to try get into real estate investing, can understand all the terms and, and the things that they were using as they're kind of evaluating their own stuff too. But yeah, I think that was a great synopsis of kind of uh, you know the difference between both and and how a duplex can really be a value add for, for an investor.
0: And um, the other thing that I want to point out, you know, we're going to go through so many different strategies um, on this. This podcast. So, you know, the first week of every month, we'll do real estate again. Uh, so, next uh, the first week of November, we'll come back and we'll do real estate again. Uh, we'll talk about a different uh, different strategy, and and there's just so freaking many of them out there. Um, we'll bring on different people to uh, to talk through their strategies, and then I'll I'll go through and fill the gaps in on any any other ones that are out there. But we'll cover a cover a huge breadth of of different ways to invest in real estate. Uh, the first week every month. So next week, uh, next week is uh, markets week, markets and macro week. Um, We will be talking about uh, futures markets. So we'll just give you guys kind of a broad base of what futures markets are and how to trade them. And then um, I'll go through and talk about uh, some specific markets and just kind of how I how I trade those things. So join us again uh, next week. Um, on the peer capital capital podcast uh, we're going to be excited to to have some conversations with you at that point about about futures markets and uh, go out and, and allocate that capital. thanks everybody.